Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. My name is Chris Pleckenpole. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're wondering why you got stuck at home having to watch online as opposed to coming to outside or, or inside, uh, I do have a confession to make. I and my wife both have uh, the coronavirus. And so uh, to uh, be safe, uh, we decided to... Uh, tell everyone to stay away and that we would worship virtually until the 10-day quarantine that my doctor gave me would be complete. And so we are excited to join you right now online. Uh, also, I just want to say thank you to all of those um, who've been participating in uh, the meal train for my wife and me. I know for Adrian, this has been a little bit uh, more severe than it has been for me. Uh, my symptoms have been more mild. Hers have been more severe. So super grateful for all of you guys who've stepped up uh, into that meal train. Thanks, Sarah Shop, for organizing all of that. Okay, so we're, we're going to get back into uh, this series, Begin with the End in Mind. And if you have any questions about this, I want you to text us and we will answer all your questions on the Pastor Plex podcast. All right? I'd love to get with you and, and, and really wrap our heads around uh, anything you're wondering about when it comes to this sermon or any other topics you want to talk about. Now, the, this sermon series, begin with the end in mind, was sort of getting our head wrapped around the idea that we need to be a people who are intentional about our lives. Like goal setting and resolutions aren't something to avoid because you know you're going to fail them, but rather there's something to um, go for. There's something to experience uh, so that you can be intentional with your life. So uh, one of the things that we've talked about is we want to be more intimate with God this year. And so if you do not have a Bible reading plan, then you are planning to fail. Because how else um, are you going to spend time with the Lord? We're going to talk about that specific thing. Uh, and if you're not having spending intentional time in prayer, if you're not spending intentional time getting, uh, getting your life focused on Jesus, then how are you going to end up with that goal of being more intimate with God? So that's sort of what begin with the end of mind is you begin with intimate with God and then what's the process that's going to get me there? And so everything we do should align to where our goals are. So that's, that's basically of that. Now, what happens is we can get distracted, right? We can get distracted from the main thing. Uh, so this past week, Adrian and I were talking, and um, I don't know if you know this about Adrian. Uh, she's an animated talker. So it's not necessarily that she's talking to you, but rather performing. I mean, there's hands doing motions. Uh, she's very animated and very opinionated. And so it comes off absolutely hysterical on a regular basis. It's kind of like watching a show. And the, the word canon that she's able to bring to the table when she's talking is pretty intense. And so it's kind of like watching a show, a show that you really like. But with shows that you really like, they sometimes last up to 40 minutes. And when you get texted in the middle of a show, you got to pick it up. And so, um, but what happened for me is as she was conveying to me this really fascinating, awesome story that I was really actually into and wanting to hear, uh, I look at my phone and somebody was going to pick something up from the house and I wanted to make sure they knew the address and all that went into that. And so I took my eyes off of Adrian. I got distracted and I'm not, listen, 
I'm not a multitasker. I thought at one point I was a multitasker, and I quickly found out from my wife that I wasn't a multitasker because essentially as soon as I look down at my phone, I know there's still words coming, and I can't hear them anymore. And I do the write the address, do the thing, boom, 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 put the phone down. And by that time, it's too late. And she goes, are you listening anymore? And I go, uh, yeah. And you know, what I last say? And you're like, I, I got nothing. And so we have to start over, right? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, no, don't even worry about it. No, 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 please. I really want to hear it. Okay. And then she gets back into the story. What happened there was, and this happens to all of us in, in, with relationships with our spouses, we can get distracted by even good things, by trying to help somebody, we can get distracted. And there's my wife wanting to enjoy her spouse and I got distracted. And so there's a part of that she can get disgusted when I get distracted, right? I mean, like, does anybody else know what I'm talking about when your spouse has their head in their phone? Anyone else? Any else have a clue what I'm talking about? All right, so we all do this. But we all do this not only with our spouses or maybe significant others, but we do this with Jesus. Now, and this is where I'm going to take a weird turn here. You see, Jesus wants to enjoy his church or his bride, which seems like a strange statement when you think about Jesus enjoying church because it's like, what, does he want to make sure the coffee's good? And, he, you know, like, you know, is he all about like, he just wants to get in the moment and the worship and he wants to make sure the slides and the words are all the same, you know, and the singing of the songs are the same. Is he, is he really into the jokes that I'm teaching here or, or preaching or, you know, joking with. I mean, what, what is, what is going on with that? Cause it may, when you, when you say like Jesus wants to enjoy his church and if we think church service, then we're thinking Jesus is petty like us. And we get frustrated when the coffee's not up on time. We don't have the flavor I like, or if Grayson gets pitchy or my joke doesn't land. Like that's where all of a sudden we can get angst filled and we get distracted from the main thing. And Jesus is wanting to enjoy his church. And we're thinking he's, petty like us. And that's not it. It's not it. Not it. He's looking for a lot. And you know that he's looking for deeper things. He's looking um, to experience something really special with us as his bride. And he's got a lot of words to share with us. He's got a lot of wisdom uh, to give us. And he's got a lot of love to share with us. And sometimes we can get distracted. And therefore Jesus isn't able to enjoy his church. And so I want to get into that, all right? And I'm going to come up with some reasons why Jesus doesn't enjoy his church. Uh, Jesus doesn't enjoy his church when, well, we are distracted with people enjoying us. When the text message comes in the middle of your quiet time, uh, that's distracting when <clears throat> you're more worried about what people think about you and your latest post than you're worried about what Jesus thinks. When you're more worried about uh, the things of this world, then you sort of get distracted by it. Or how about this? We are distracted with enjoying ourselves. That might be a better way to put it. Whether that is uh, a relationship, whether that is money, whether that is uh, stuff, whether that, whatever that is, we want to enjoy us. And so therefore, when Jesus sort of crowds in, it gets a little frustrating. And it's not that we are like anti-Jesus, but rather we're more pro-us. And so the more pro-us I am, the less more pro-Jesus I can be because I don't have time for him and I'm distracted. Or what if it, maybe this is it. We feel like we just don't need Jesus. Whether you're a Christian or not, uh, 
there's this part of us that go, listen, um, you've said this, that, that, that girl needs Jesus. Oh man, that dude needs Jesus. And what you're saying is their issues are so bad that they really need Jesus. Now me, I can get along without Jesus. I'll be fine. I mean, we've said that kind of stuff and you said it jokingly, like that person really needs Jesus. But the reality is you really need Jesus. And I really need Jesus. And you don't just need Jesus when the bottom drops out. We need Jesus daily, hourly, minutely, secondly. That, that's how we need Jesus. So, and so this morning, I want us to get to a place where Jesus enjoys his church. And I want uh, you to walk with me as we go there, um, as we look at Revelation chapter 3. Now, Revelation chapter 3 is about Laodicea. And we've talked about this, uh, that Laodicea uh, and all the other churches have four things primarily. uh, Don't look at this right here. But have four things primarily that are dealing with doctrine, a praise, a rebuke, and a promise. And the church of Laodicea uh, has three out of the four. They're the only church to have no praise. That's sort of awkward. When God's handing out compliments, you don't get one. And so essentially the doctor Jesus, you're going to learn is that he's the true designer and creator of all creation. He's designed it. He did it all. He created it. He, everything he says is true. And then no praise. The rebuke is that there are going to be a lukewarm church obsessed with material wealth. And then finally, overcomers will receive intimacy with the king and a share in his rule. And so we're going to learn what all that means in here uh, as we get into this specific portion of revelation that's been given to the church at Laodicea. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 14. If you wouldn't mind praying with me, uh, we're going to ask God to bless his word. Lord, we thank you that you are in complete control. And we pray that our hearts would be ready to receive and open. And Lord, that we would begin not only to seek to enjoy you, but allow you to enjoy us. And maybe that reversal of the way that things that like you want to enjoy us. And there are some things in our lives that may prevent you from enjoying us. And God, we want to be pleasing to you. We want our hearts to be filled with you. We want you to take pleasure in us. And so God, this morning, I pray that your grace would be sufficient as we know it's not about what we can do, but rather what you have already done and then what we allow you to do through us and the power of your Holy Spirit. So in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. All right, all right, here we go. <clears throat> Revelation 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the following. This is the solemn pronouncement of the amen. Not a woman, just in case anybody has been watching congressional prayers lately. Uh, The amen, which means so be it, or true. The faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. He designed it and then put it into uh, orbit. He made it all happen. That is who Jesus is. All right, so you get that. So this is, it's coming from the author and the creator, the designer of all things. He's about to let them know uh, what he's seen in them. And he says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. 
I wish you were either hot or cold. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Now, first off, <clears throat> let's see what he says. Because I think, can I just be honest with you? I, I, I'm, I'm willing to put money on this. Boy, that's terrible. I'm, I'm not, this isn't like DraftKings or anything, but um, I'm willing to bet that you have thought for the longest times that when it says hot or, or cold or cold or hot right here, that you're like, oh, well, cold is bad. Hot is good. You want to be on fire for Jesus. No, no. But he says, I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. And, and so what that is saying here is this. In fact, um, come with me to another uh, area. We're going to take a look at some coffee, shall we? All right, look at this. Um, this is coffee. And uh, these are these uh, two cups of coffee. This I just I picked up from Starbucks on the way here. This is a hot uh, coffee, and this is a cold brew, and uh, which is really great. And this is the coffee that's been uh, sitting out in my kitchen for about twenty or so hours. Okay. Now the thing about Laodicea, it was about six miles away, was a um, city called Hierapolis. We'll call it H. It had hot springs. And those hot springs were where you go that would be refreshing. It would be medicinally healing. You could do jacuzzi type stuff there. It was gold. You wanted to be at the hot spring. But the problem was it was six miles away. And although the Laodiceans built aqueducts from Hierapolis to their area, by the time it got to them, it was lukewarm. Now, uh, about another nine miles away, it was Colossae, all right? And they were known for their cold springs. And their cold springs were refreshing. And it was great for drinking. It was also great for healing. It was great for a lot of things. And so what the frustration that Laodiceans had is that their water, uh, especially because they were a wealthy area, they had to kind of, if they wanted to experience the true hot springs or the true cold springs, they couldn't do it in Laodicea where they were used to being able to buy just about anything they wanted. They had to head off to Hierapolis for the hot springs or they had to head off to Colossae for the cold springs and everybody's a little bit frustrated with the lukewarm water that they got. That no matter where they funneled it from, it always ended up being lukewarm. And so what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, listen, I wish that you were hot. Mm, that's smooth. Mm. I'm enjoying that coffee. Or I wish that you were cold. That's a little zip in the step right there. Woo! All right. Both of those are great. But the problem is, the problem is, um, what happened with the Laodiceans is that they, uh, they were this coffee, the 20-hour-old, been sitting out all day coffee. And so when Jesus takes a drink to enjoy his church, oh gosh, it's almost, it's revolting. It's disgusting. And it's immediately, it's like, why would anybody drink that? Why would you even do that? Who drinks 20-hour-old coffee? Nobody does. And that's exactly what was going on with Jesus as he sought to enjoy his church. Now, now watch. He says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth, meaning uh, Jesus was disgusted by a lukewarm church. Now, 
This is not a salvation issue, okay? Uh, you can't be the church and you can't be part of Jesus' golden lamb stance that he's sort of going around and enjoying uh, without being genuine believers. So this is a church of believers that has gotten distracted to a point where Jesus no longer enjoys them. And listen, it, it's kind of like this, because um, you may have said this about your spouse or uh, I, <laughs> maybe you've said this about your kids. I love you, but I don't like you, right? Like, listen, I, I love you. Of course I love you, but I don't like you. Maybe uh, it's a lot of times I hear this from uh, <clears throat> marriage counseling people. And sometimes they say, I don't love you either. But for the most part, that doesn't change the fact that they're married, right? It doesn't change the fact that that's your child. Uh, this doesn't mean that you would get divorced if uh, your relationship has been fragmented by distraction because someone's been on their phone for so long, not in tune with their spouse. Now, <clears throat> this doesn't mean that Jesus is, is casting this church into hell, um, but it's, it's, it, this shows it's a, it's a proper relationship. Did you guys know a, a proper relationships have boundaries? And here Jesus is relaying the fact that things aren't going well. And I, I've said this a, a bunch of times. I've said rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And trust me, I didn't make that up. That's just like common Christian lingo. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And on the flip side, a relationship without rules leads to ruin, right? Because you guys know this. Uh, every relationship has boundaries. You can't just walk up to your spouse and be like, hey, how you doing? Bam, that doesn't work. And so what's been going, or you can't just like um, have a relationship with your spouse, but then they never talk to you. That's relationship without rules. I don't want to talk to you. I can do what I want to do. No, no, there are some sort of boundaries. There are some sort of things that will create the relationship to make it healthy. And here Jesus is expressing dissatisfaction in the relationship, which is what normal beings do when frustrated. It's unhealthy people who just shut down, withdraw, and just like, I'm taking my ball and going home, just FYI. All right, so that's, Jesus is doing that and he's expressed that he's frustrated. Now, what? Let's figure out why. Why is Jesus frustrated? Why is he you know, not enjoying? Why is he disgusted uh, by the church? Watch, he says this, because, here's the reason, you say I'm rich and have acquired great wealth and need nothing. I, I love that. I love the need nothing. You know the guy in your community group, or if you're, you're not familiar with community groups, small groups, you know the guy in the small group, and you go prayer requests, and he's praying for like, you know, an uncle, uh, a grandmother's like third cousin removed, and has nothing for himself. And then you go, so what can we pray for about, uh, for you? And in general, they're like, nah, nothing, I'm good. And so essentially what they're saying is, I need nothing. Really? You need nothing. There is nothing you could grow in. There's nothing that you ever need. And the reason is, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. We go back to only the people that are drug addicts and tax collectors and prostitutes need Jesus. You with me? Do you see how um, unbelievably cavalier and arrogant it says to say that? I don't 
need anything. Welcome to the church at Laodicea, which is why I really think, this is, where you're, this is why I think we can really resonate with this church. Because they didn't realize that they were wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Laodicea fixated on wealth and exposed their spiritual poverty. Again, it's like this, and this happens to a lot of us. Isn't it true that a lot of us, whenever we get distracted, we revert to who we used to be before we became a Christian? Right? This is why we sing the song, Amazing Grace, right? And then like, that saved a wretch like me. And in this case with Laodicea, it saved a wretch like me, but now I'm a wretch again. I once was blind, but now I'm blind again. I don't know how that happened. I could see for a little bit, but apparently it didn't stick. This is the emperor has no clothes. This is, I don't even know that there's anything wrong with me. It, it, it's... Um, when you live in the illusion of control, that's why you choose your birthday for your lottery ticket. Because you're like, I know, it's all about just playing the odds. One day I'm going to win. If I just buy, I just keep playing it. And I keep playing it, I'm going to play my birthday. Or uh, that's why sports betting is huge. Because you think you know your team well enough and you, you've been playing fantasy football and you've won your league three years in a row and so you're going to put big money on it because how can you lose? You have an illusion of control. People in the stock market have this uh, illusion all the time is they're going to make the right pick and it, I've done the research and I'm going to make the investment and all of a sudden coronavirus comes and destroys something. I mean, how many restaurants around here? How many businesses? Okay, businesses here in Austin have done pretty well because it's high tech. But for the most part, a lot of places all over the country, they didn't see coronavirus coming and then it eradicated them. How's Sears doing? (laughs) All right. When you focus on wealth, this is where things get a little awkward, right? This is the part that's tough. You start focusing on stuff because wealth says I have power. Wealth says I'm important. Wealth says I have something I can enjoy for me. This is for me. I need this for me. Um, I think I mentioned last week or two that uh, I was going to take my sons uh, each week uh, and spend an hour or two with them um, once a week just to get father-son alone time to build intimacy. So the goal was build intimacy with my son. The way I was going to implement that was spend an hour or two each week individually with each kid. All right, so Jet's week was last week and we went to Interspace Cavern, which was awesome, right? You go and we learned about stalagmites and stalactites and how there's columns but not pillars because you put your head on a pillar. I know I, it was a lame joke then, but I remembered it. Anyway, so uh, I, we had a great time and the experience was cool. It was him, me, and like four other random people going in the cave. They turned the lights out. It's pitch black. It's kind of creepy. Uh, we learned about where the bats were. We learned about where all the, we saw all the dinosaur bones. We saw a dig from like 1963 still preserved there. We saw like where in 97 or whatever, it flooded up and like, you know, it was crazy. We just learned a lot of stuff. We had a great time. And then afterwards, as we're leaving there, uh, and we even had ice cream while we were there. It was pretty great. I mean, like, what else do you want? And so as we're leaving, uh, Jet is fixated on the stuffed animals. And we didn't see any pterodactyls in the, uh, in the cave of inner space, but 
for some reason, that's the pterodactyl is the thing that he wanted, maybe because it's the closest thing that resembles a jet that the place had. Anyway, so he's like, I need a pterodactyl, and it was like 20 bucks. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy you a $20 plush toy that when you have a pillow that works just fine. And, and listen, listen, I, I appreciate it, but the experience today was, it's not about buying presents. The whole point of the experience was us for us to be together, to which he's like, not fully getting it, but, he, but uh, okay. And then this week, uh, he, he goes, hey, Daddy, I know what I want to do on our next Daddy Day. Um, I, I want us to just go to the toy store. Let's skip all the experiences. Let's go straight to what I really want. I need another toy. And I go, you're missing <laughs> the entire point. And I wonder how many of us are so fixated on stuff and so, so fixated on today's treasure, tomorrow's trash, tomorrow's Facebook marketplace steals, tomorrow's Craigslist buys. Uh, that's what I wonder. I think we get stuck there because we're so fixated on, no, no, you don't understand. I need this. I need the house or I need the the thing. I need the thing. I need the thing. And so what happens, we start to put our money and we, our time and our effort towards those things and we get distracted from what God has called us to. He hasn't called us to another plastic thing or another really nice piece of metal thing or a really nice piece of brick thing. He's called us to be close to him. And so then Jesus is about to lay down some counsel. Watch what he says. I love this because this gets really real. Take my advice and buy gold from me, which is sort of weird. He's going to go down like a economic route. Buy gold from me, buy, uh, refined by fire so you can become rich. Buy from me white clothing so you can be clothed and your shameful nakedness will not be exposed. And buy eye salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Now watch this, watch this. <clears throat> he first says, buy uh, gold from me. Refined by fire. What's he talking about? Uh, namely, pure spiritual riches, things that you aren't tangible. And all throughout scripture, it says, uh, make me refine like gold, refine me like silver. That's like through spiritual testing. Going through difficulty makes you a greater, stronger, faithful Christian. said, what we should buy from him are really hard experiences with Lord, with the Lord. Okay, or then what white clothing, which is really interesting. You may not know this about Laodicea. Most of their people, it was like kind of known for this, that their primary clothing color was black. And so listen, uh, change out the black cool clothing that was really popular in Laodicea and put on white garments that aren't so your outer person would be cool and noticeable, but rather that your inner self would be fully pure and righteous. And then the, the primary, one of the, pri one of the primary uh, things in the marketplace that Laodiceans sold and they exported was ISAV. Look at this. So buy ISAV to put on your eyes so you can see. In other words, you guys are blind and you think you've become wealthy and you've been healing people and you're helping others to see when the reality is you are so blind yourself. Come to me. Let me heal you. You don't even see it. 
And then in verse 19, he says this. Um, look at this. This is just a cool verse. This is, this is a dad. This is a dad verse. All those I love, I rebuke and discipline. Listen, uh, I have four sons, three of which can understand me. Uh, the eight, uh, tw- whatever he is, 20-month-old, I think he can understand me, <clears throat> but whenever I have to discipline them in whatever manner that is, I say, Daddy loves you too much to let you behave this way. Daddy's got to step in. Daddy's got to get firm. Daddy's got to put the fire out when the tantrum comes. Daddy loves you too much to allow you to keep this up. And I'm going to discipline you so that you will be earnest and repent. That's why discipline comes. And this is why when you're self-disciplined, you never have to experience the discipline of the Lord as a Christian. Isn't that great? But listen, we're all not, listen, none of us are perfectly self-disciplined. If any one of you thinks you are without sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you, all right? But the reality is we all struggle. We all have to repent on a daily basis. So be earnest and repent. And he says, listen, like this is like a plea. Listen, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice, anybody in there, and opens the door, I will come into his home and share a meal with him and he with me. You see, this is what I love about Jesus. He's not content just to be like, hey guys, turn around. He's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm here. I came to you. I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. Jesus sought to enjoy his church. And listen, this is how you know you're a Christian that when you experience the Lord's discipline, whatever that looks like, maybe it's like the relationship that you knew you shouldn't be in because you're single and you were doing it. And then that relationship ends and you get angry at God because he took something for you, from you as opposed to saved you from something. And you run to him. You say, God, I don't know why this is happening. I know I'm in the fetal position because of the pain, but I know that you know the good this is for me and I trust you with this pain. I trust you in it been there anybody else been there or when the thing doesn't work out and that your sin is exposed and then there's consequences beyond just like a um minor rap but rather it becomes a real pain a real hurt and a real heartache and you go god what are you teaching me in the middle of this lord i'm running to you because only you can make it right and i know i'm disgusting i'm filthy i'm not worthy to be called your son i'm not worthy to be called a child of god i'm not worthy of any of that but you can make me clean again and we run to him that's what christians do and can and this is this this is why you know this is why all the time you have to have childlike faith because this is how that's how my sons operate. When the discipline happens, there's tears, but there's also a running to me, an assurance of, Daddy, do you still love me? It's like, of course I love you. And a hold and a close and a hug and a love and an intimacy that is found there. So my sons run to me when disciplined because I'm their daddy. He's your daddy. And you run to him whenever it gets really, really hard. Because that's what children of a father do. But 
I think the problem for most of us is when we encounter money problems or relationship problems. You name the problem. The money problem is, listen, I, I spent too much money and I, I wanted to give to God and I never did. And I was going to get around to it. But look, I can't now because I got into so much debt and I can't get out. And all of a sudden you start going, it's all about me and all about what I can do. And we don't even think in terms of our faith anymore because God's out of the equation because I need something practical, not a spiritual experience or experiment. Or when the relationship falls out. And listen, I've had so many conversations of late in counseling and beyond that go something like this. Um, hey, the problem is my spouse, because my spouse, when they, and I'm like, stop, stop, stop. The problem is you've, you brought that same problem to me. We've talked about this problem, but the problem is you and your relationship with Jesus. Every time. And they go, no, 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 you don't understand. It's, it's them and the, there's a blame shift, self-justification. We do the thing, we do the thing. And the problem is I don't want to look at me and Jesus because to look at me and Jesus might mean there's something wrong with me. And everybody knows there's something wrong with you. And the problem might be this, it might be this. You would say this, I'm not perfect, but I haven't really done anything wrong. I'm not perfect. Oh, oh really? What do you do wrong? Well, um, I don't really do anything wrong. It's just, you know, nobody's perfect. So I'm not perfect. And I don't really need any help in anything because I'm good on my own. And so um, that's what we do. That is the, that's the Laodicean church. <laughs> it might be the American way. Is I don't want to talk about my issues. I don't want to talk about my problems. I don't want to talk about how I may have blown it because then I'd have to you know, own up to something and own my own stuff as opposed to passive aggressively passing it on to somebody else because it couldn't be my fault. And the, let's just go through this. The common denominator in all the problems you are facing is you. So I want you to kind of watch how Jesus ends this because I think it's going to speak to us on that if we can fix the issue of where our heart is, it'll transform our view of success. Look at this. The one who conquers, I'll grant him to sit with me on my throne. What? No, this is huge. I will grant with him to sit with me on my throne. Remember, but the very thing that they're wanting was they got distracted by wealth. Wealth means power. Wealth means uh, control. Wealth means I don't have to worry. Listen, the one who conquers, the one who can not get distracted by the wealth of this age, you will conquer and then you will be ruling with me. Look, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So it's not wrong to want to rule. It's actually really right. It's just, who's the actual king? Is it you on this side of heaven or is it Jesus and you're walking alongside of him experiencing being heir uh, of the throne of God and you are ruling with him. Look, you will sit down with my father. Okay, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So there's, that should be coming to us. Here it is. This is exactly what the Laodiceans needed to hear. They were consumed with control, consumed with power. And Jesus says, if you trust in me, you will have it. 
But the problem goes back to, I don't need it then, I need it now. Because we fall in love with our, imag- well, we, we, we start to look at Jesus as our imaginary friend, right? Our imaginary friend, kind of like Santa Claus, you pat him on the head, you come around once a year for Christmas, and you just sort of like, let's talk about presents and we'll give each other gifts and Jesus' name, uh, but the reality is he has nothing to do with how we live our life, and as opposed to the invisible King, Jesus, who's kind of like Wi-Fi. You can't see it, but you can see its effect everywhere, and it's how you search for things. It's how you live life. Without Wi-Fi, you're not doing anything, and so the reality is like all of life is built on an unseen God designer behind it all, making all things work for his glory and our good, and the question is, do we trust it? So, so this morning, I want us to wrestle with that. And the question I really want you to wrestle with is, will you be hot? Will you be enjoyable, smooth, soothing? Mm. Will you be cold? Ah, that's good. Or will you be... <laughs> mm. Oh, I can't. Okay. Yeah, well, which one will you be? Which one will you be? And uh, then the ultimate question then becomes, um, will Jesus enjoy you? So, th- so this morning, I want you to wrap your head around this. I want your heart to be sort of focused on this. And uh, even as uh, Grayson leads us through communion this morning, I want us to just kind of, before we take that on, is, is Jesus enjoying me? And how, how does Jesus start to enjoy you? If you're not a Christian, uh, it's simply by trusting that Jesus died on the cross for you and rose from that. That's how you become a child of God. That's how you become a co-heir with Christ, uh, by believing what Jesus has done. And then if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, that you don't revert back to the way you were the way you were before you became a Christian, the way you were obsessed with wealth, obsessed with the relationship, obsessed with somehow pleasing mom or dad, obsessed with achieving something in that job, obsessed with something that wasn't him. Being in a place where you see every trial as a way to grow closer to Jesus. Every argument is an opportunity to repent and get closer to Jesus. Every, every day, everything is an opportunity to grow one step closer to Jesus. And, and so, that, so that your life is filled with like a constant repentance kind of thing going on. Of like You're like, ah, oh, blew it, my bad. Hey, I never meant to make you feel that way. That's not my heart's intent. My heart's to be the gospel-loving person that I am. And then, uh, boom, oh, man, I'm sorry. Hey, I... And you do that over and over and over again. And you keep short accounts with the people you love and you keep short accounts with God. And that is what the Christian life looks like. It's not perfect. It's forgiven. It's repentant. So that, that's, how Jesus, that's what Jesus enjoys. He loves that. The humility there. That's love. It's grace. Mercy that God gave you because you understand what he saved you from. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your grace is right in our midst and we can trust you with everything going on in our lives, the the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, God, the hot, the cold, the stuff that we enjoy, and the lukewarm, the stuff that disgusts us. God, I pray that you would use illustrations and you would help us to see that we were designed for you to enjoy. And then the flip side, 
we're designed to enjoy you. And so God, I pray that you would help us to do that by opening our eyes, allowing us to see that we would buy gold so we'd be refined like fire through trial and struggle and we grow in that. Lord, that we exchange uh, our garments for white as snow garments, that we would be righteous inside and out. And God, uh, we would no longer be blind. You give us the eye salve, spiritual salve to say, oh, I, I was blind, but now I see and I still can see and I want to be following you, Jesus. Help me to be repentant all the time. God, you're good. You're good. You're so good. Your mercy is new. Uh, your hope is true. We love you, Jesus. It's all for your glory. And everybody said, amen. Okay. As a church together, we're going to move into a time of kind of prayer and confession. And I want to give you an opportunity to gather uh, communion elements. So if you have uh, something that represents the body of Christ, like a cracker or bread, uh, then I encourage you to grab that and then something that represents the blood of Christ, like wine or grape juice or something, something of that nature. Uh, we're going to take a moment uh, together right here and now. Um, as you're doing that, we're also going to take some time uh, just to reflect, to confess your sins, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to reveal maybe um, kind of some things that you uh, might not know of or some things that you're struggling with. Would you release that before we take communion together? Uh, this is for this is for believers, uh, whether you've been a believer for a long time or uh, you accepted Christ this morning, uh, you can join us in that. But let's take a moment together and just pray and confess. Uh, you can do that on your own. Matthew 26, verse 26, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Let's pray together, and then we'll eat together. <clears throat> 